Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. David Simnick is the CEO and co-founder of Soapbox Soaps, a company that works to empower customers to change the world through everyday quality purchases. Soapbox products are currently shelved in tens of thousands of stores across the United States and beyond. As an Eagle Scout, Dave's dream was to found a for-profit company with social mission at their core. Since then, he has worked as either an intern or a consultant to the USAID, the U.S. Army, Michelle Rhee, the U.S. Senate, and was a Teach for America educator in Northern Philadelphia. Dave's got a full house of notebooks. He doesn't like to let ideas get away from him. Give him any concept and Dave will start tinkering with it. He's worked on various sides of the startup industry, helping companies expand, getting the ball rolling with funding and publicity, making connections and putting ideas together from the ground up. Dave, welcome to the One Away Show. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Uh, It was good meeting you a few years ago uh, at a dinner and uh, thanks for showing up. And uh, now we're back. Uh, virtual. Uh, super excited to do this with you and have watched you over the last year and your company kind of explode with the pandemic. Uh, but in the meantime, I'd love to know about your one away moment and what you want to share with us today. I would say there's there's a mentor in my life. Her name is uh, Liz Spencer. Uh, and she used to, um, well, she's still the executive director of Naperville Community Television. Uh, so I'm from Naperville, Illinois. Uh, we have this phenomenal uh, like public access. So like think like Wayne's World, but like it was it was more Wayne's World when she came into the role and she brought it up to the level of at like a, an ABC and NBC local affiliate. Like it's just it's phenomenal what she's been able to do. And while working there uh, as an intern, I started in like middle school, which I don't think I even was able are supposed to be there at that age but like Liz came in my freshman year of high school and had a had a huge effect on my life in in every single way that you could imagine so to professionalism and character and follow through and I remember there was a time where like she pulled me aside and she's like if you were an employee here I would fire you right now this is this is where I'd be firing you and I was like, ah, so like she, she was just a, she was a wonderful, and she continues to be a mentor. She's just a, a wonderful individual. She loves coaching and grooming, uh, and, and, you know, scouting talent. Um, and although I didn't go into broadcast, uh, you know, back when I was a high schooler, I, I, I thought I wanted to, to be in front of the camera. I thought I wanted to do news and journalism and, and she's just amazing. Like I, so in so many different ways, she really um, helped me grow up. You know, it's really important to have those people in your life who see so much in you and help want to develop you and invest in you in a way that you've never been, you know, given the support before and to be that first person to show you how things are done. Uh, 
at such a young age for you, it must have been, I mean, as you mentioned, very prominent, informative experience. Uh, Dave, I'm curious though, I mean, that to, to work in that kind of environment uh, from a young age, how did you maybe get into that um, type of, you know, opportunity? I mean, I think the fact that you were so young and were open-minded to start working says a lot about you, but I'm also curious about how the opportunity itself came to life and maybe what you were doing specifically in the role. Well, so I, you know, Brian, I always was a little crazy. Um, so <laughs> I, seriously, I, uh, I remember I went to my mom, um, and I wanted to start a candy stand. Uh, and I, I basically, you know, was running and trying to upsell Snickers by, you know, a hundred percent markup, uh, to my friends and, and, you know, it's a local parade that would happen on July 4th. And, you know, every, every which way in which I could, I could potentially, uh, get someone to, um, be a part of my, my quote unquote enterprises. So we ran a, a local newspaper, um, which was like, we called it the brush hole times because I grew up a brush hole circle. Uh, and I sold it to a bunch of my, um, my neighbors, whereas basically 25 cents an issue. But if you signed up, uh, for a year subscription, you get, you only had to pay us a dollar. Uh, and I, I don't think I really understood the margins behind that. Um, but I got some people to advertise. So that was fantastic. But, you know, it was, it was chock full of, of grammatical and spelling errors and much people thought it was super cute. And I just, you know, printed it on my dad's computer, uh, or, or printer paper, which also, once again, margins did not add up on that. But I, I think that there always was a, uh, dream big, um, go and, and chase after, you know, big, uh, hairy goals. And I think, you know, to, to my parents' credit, um, I had incredibly fortunate to have the family that I had. Um, my mom and dad always were, you know, yes and, and, and willing to support me. So, um, I think Liz was able to bring some of that, um, real world professionalism, tough love, uh, that I may not, uh, you know, just that parents sometimes are not able to do because they're playing the role of parents. TV teaches you a bunch of things. It teaches you to, to think on the fly. It, it teaches you to consistently problem solve because uh, nothing is ever exactly the way that it should be when you when you show up to you know a new story and you're either dealing with the wind or people behind you or that you don't have enough equipment or that a battery died or that the lighting is all wrong or a microphone fails or whatever it might be. You just, you just consistently, you got to make it work. And then I think the other thing that it, it did that helped me a lot was, is that, you know, selling, which, you know, we, we own four different companies and, and we sell those products uh, through a wide range of different channels. Um, and all of us here are part of our team in one way or another are salespeople. Um, you know, even our controller and our accountant and our bookkeeper are all salespeople as well. So I, I think selling is great storytelling. Now, it should be a real story. It should be honest. Um, but it is also about taking someone on that journey of, of why does this product exist and what can this product do for them? It sounds like, you know, with where you are, I mean, you can share the company. So with Soapbox Soaps and, you know, share the other brands as we go, but you had some experience from a young age uh, that has maybe enabled you to really dream big and what you're doing now. And I'd love to get to that in a bit. And so you can share more about your story and how you got there. But it's really neat, right? 
you hear most people talking about their entrepreneurial journey, maybe I think starting a little bit later in life or high school, but it seems like you're chomping at the bit as a, you know, right out of the womb uh, to get your hands dirty. And I also love what you said about Liz uh, and your parents. She wasn't a parent. And so she could be more objective with you and not be a parent to you. And maybe you respected her or wanted more out of that relationship um, thing your parents can maybe provide, even though your parents would support you in every way possible. Um, a little bit more on Liz, because I'm sure she'll listen to this. Hi, Liz. What about Liz? You know, it sounds like she was super great for you and raising the bar in your life and making you a better person. But what did you see in her as an individual, especially as, as you know, the years have passed, that made her so good at what she did? And what kind of person was was she? Liz was the leader. I, I try to emulate Liz. As a as a manager of um, our company, and uh, you know the person who probably most in our company brings people in the door, you know hires people, vets people, um, ensures that they're a cultural fit. The thing that I loved about Liz is that she really embodies servant leadership, uh, and and servant leadership is not a new concept, but ultimately it's how are you empowering your people to be their best. And, and what are you doing as a, it takes a, you know, the manager aspect of, you know, people work for you and it flips it around where the manager is working for the team. You know, what resources are you giving them? How are you allowing them to grow? Are you really listening intently of where they want to go in their career? Uh, and I think I could do a much better job at that, but Liz did that incredibly well. And, and one of the things that, and Liz is incredibly hard on herself. So if she, she is listening. Hi, Liz. Uh, but I would do anything for her. You know, like I remember working for her where uh, the thing that I feared the most is when I would disappoint her because you knew how much she cared about you, not just your work product, but about you as a person. Like I remember I would, I, I would just, I would do crazy things. I would, I would do whatever it took to get whatever the job done because I really cared about her and I knew how much she cared about me. You know, I think a lot of, the impersonality and the coldness that sometimes comes when people say something like it's just business like th that always drives me up a wall because it's not just business with with us like you know we started soapbox in my college kitchen because we wanted to create an enterprise that could donate you know to kids who don't have hygiene products like what like don't tell me this is just business like that it's not you know, like, so, so I, I take the same sense whenever I'm dealing with someone and we're rather hiring, hiring someone and, um, you know, whether we have to let someone go, you know, even if it's for cause, like I, I still, I still feel awful about it. You know, like I, like it, it, it is incredibly personal. Um, so I think one of the things that Liz does incredibly well is she invests in her people. Uh, she serves them. She empowers them. And in return, they're willing to go to the end of the earth uh, for her as a manager. Mm. Love that. Wow. So well said. I mean, you can watch, right, the people around you. It reminds me of a um, mentor of mine who I worked with in college who emulate, you know, someone who I looked to emulate as well. And the way he treated the, the people, the way he led the people, grew the people, whether they were the intern, his direct report, or the person right under him. I mean, it was it was a class act through and through. Uh, and so it's cool that you were able to see that, right? Most people don't, I think you saw that very early and that shaped you. So 
Thanks for sharing that. When you were there, David, I mean, just to continue to go into that and we can move on a bit. Were there any experiences or moments from, you know, being a, you know, seventh grader working uh, in this, working in TV and entertainment and just that stick out to you are the learning lessons that have shaped how you do things today, whether Liz was involved or not? Uh, there's a, there's a couple big things that I've learned. I would say this is the one, this is one that I've, I've learned most recently. Um, and I think, I think, you know, to anyone who's listening to this, who's an entrepreneur or not, you know, this is the way that I view time. When people say, Hey, thank you so much for giving us your time. That really doesn't matter a lot to me anymore. Um, to me, it's it, like, yes, time is incredibly important. It's more about energy. Uh, and I know like not to sound like super woo woo, but, um, I view things as there, there are things that drain my energy and there are things that build it up. Um, and I can have a five minute conversation with someone, which is not a lot of time, but just really depletes me, you know, and I just, and, and then the motivation to go back to work or whatever, is just, it's like, it's that much harder to get back engaged. So I genuinely believe in paying it forward. There are not hundreds, there are thousands of people who've helped us get to where we're at. We still have an incredibly long way to go. But at the same time, like I, I want to help as many people as I possibly can, but I also have to be really careful and guard my energy on behalf of my team, on behalf of our shareholders, on behalf of our customers, and on behalf of our, our aid partners. You know, All those people are counting on us being able to grow at the way that we have been in order to you know achieve all the objectives that we've aligned with each of those stakeholders. So with that being said, like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think about time anymore. You know, a 30 minute conversation with someone can, can super pump me up. And then I'm, I'm, you know, just clacking away at the keyboard until 11 or 12 PM. And, and that's fine. But you know, like a two, three minute conversation with someone could just drain it out to where like, right. it's like, Oh, I can't, can't hit another key. So I think the big thing is it's not about time. It's about energy. Um, that's one of the, the biggest lessons I'm going through right now. The other crazy big thing that that's going through, and this is just the evolution of our company. So Soapbox uh, acquired a, a, a amazing food brand called Bushwick Kitchen back in 2018. We've since acquired two other brands in 2020. We had explosive growth last year. It helps when you make liquid hand soap and hand sanitizer. So, you know, in, in the age of a pandemic, uh, you know, all those things said with a lot of humility and sobriety with how awful COVID is. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, because we've doubled our team, because we continue to hire more people, um, I'm no longer really the quarterback. I'm the coach choosing the quarterback. And, and that, that is really a fundamental shift for, for the way that I'm thinking. Um, and maybe that's not, a, you know, the proper analogy, uh, in a, in a bunch of different ways, but, um, what I'm really trying to emulate is that I'm no longer the person really calling the plays. I'm empowering leaders that we've brought into our team that are far more experienced and have, you know, just amazing skill sets that I do not have. And I'm really just saying, look, you know, get to, get to the end zone, how you get there. I trust you. Um, 
and that requires relinquishing control and and really believing people. So I think I think Liz's fingerprints are all over the last one. I think the former is probably more, you know, my parents in terms of, you know, protect your time, protect your energy and, and, um, you know, invest properly. Cool. I, I, I just, I'll respond to that, but I assume that this conversation is, is giving you energy, right? I just want to. Yeah, <laughs> totally Brian. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be good, funny if good. I was just like, I don't know, Jerry's out. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. no I, I look, I, I say this with a lot of humility, right? Like, right. Uh, I, I still pinch myself that um, we're able to be on, you know, podcasts like this or other types of media and, and that people actually care enough to hear what I say. So, yeah, this is incredibly thrilling. No, I, I'm just having a little fun here. Uh, I, I love the quote. I kind of agree more with you about time. You don't give time, you give energy. I think it's prof- like, well, very well said. And I think seeing how you empower people and how that dictates back to what you learned uh, as a kid uh, is so cool. Uh, Dave, you know, our audience is, is a lot of younger professionals and entrepreneurs trying, or I think would love, love to one day stand in your shoes. Um, you had a pretty Do better <laughs> Shoot, right. aim higher, aim higher, Do better. Great. Well, good, good to know. Um, and you know, you've taken a pretty circuit, you know, it looks like a bit, bit of a circuitous path. Uh, yeah, have landed on something where you've been able to kind of go all in with impact-driven brands and how that's unfolded. Uh, what, uh, you know, how are you thinking about your journey in college? And how are you thinking about your journey, you know, right after you graduated? And what, what's allowed it to maybe morph into what you're building today? Yes. I I think, first off, great word. It has been a winding path to get here. So um, I was fortunate enough to graduate early. Uh, That was 2009. Really bad time to graduate because the job market was not good. I was able to get a job with uh, a subcontractor for the United States Agency for International Development. While there, um, I saw you know a gigantic need within water sanitation and hygiene programs, which is usually acronymed as WASH. And I wanted to change the way that we were doing a lot of hygiene. So I called up my best friend and I said, hey, I want to start making soap. And for every bar that we sell, we're going to donate a bar of soap. And he was like, do you love soap? Like, where did this come from? And I was like, no, I just think, I think it's going to be a really powerful business. Did not know anything about CPG. Did not know what I was doing nothing about packaging or price point or anything like we as i as i often like to say we fell down the consumer product goods tree or the cpg tree hitting every branch on the way um and then we were just so determined that we decided to climb back up the same tree and that really is the story of soapbox it's you know we had awful packaging terrible price point we had no clue what we were doing and how to get in the stores we had no like just we just didn't know. And I, I think had I worked for a bigger company, you know, and or gone and worked for Target and then realized how to launch in the Target, you know, like we just didn't do any of that. So thankfully, we just surrounded ourselves with a bunch of people who really knew what they were doing um, and or advisors or mentors. And then we just continued to get better and, and push ourselves. And eventually we got to a point where, um, 
you know, we back in 2015, 16, we started getting into bigger stores. Uh, we realized we had a branding problem. We then fixed that in 2018. Um, I think a lot of people thought that we were going to fail out and we just kept on pushing. And, and now we're in a far better spot and we've been able to acquire three other brands. So I think that the biggest lesson in terms of, you know, going from USAID contractor to uh, starting a soap company. And then there was a, um, you know, period of time where we were doing this evenings and weekends where I was a Teach for America educator. Um, and then eventually we decided to go full-time um, in, in 2012. Uh, you know, but, but really, honestly, like all of this comes down to, I believe that the most successful entrepreneurs that you come across have a certain level of grit and resilience um, that they are able just to pound through with the really tough parts. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's the trait that I see a, a, across really good entrepreneurs is you can just go through the crucible of the really bad times and come out the other end. To say that, I've had a lot of grit to come out, you know, the crucible to get to the, go through it, to get to the other side. Because how you have that perspective and probably his stories, uh, so I want to maybe dig into that, David, uh, because I think it would be good, good good fodder here for the people who realize that they need the grit and the resilience. For you, you know, you've been at the journey now eight or nine years. I think that's fairly remarkable uh, to be full time at something. I think you hear these four or five year startup successes that sell for 60, 70 million and people think that's the life for you. You've maybe taken a more sustainable long-term vision approach, uh, which I can uh, appreciate. Uh, but for you, you know, to be in the journey nine years, you've probably had some, some super low lows and also some probably really big wins, but I would love for you to maybe share the times where or a time or two where maybe you've had to bring out resilience and grit where you didn't think you were going to make it or stand to stand for tomorrow maybe share with our audience how to get through and navigate hard times through your perspective. Uh, if we had three hours, I don't know if I'd even be able to cover all of them, but the long story short, uh, the worst time probably in our company history was 2017. Um, and that's where the new branding hadn't come out yet. Um, we kept on getting all these reports showing that the, the branding would do really well. And uh, we just kept on pushing forward. Uh, and we also had to, to lay off half of our team, um, which is actually surprisingly one of the things that I'm most proud of in how we did that. Uh, we did it with dignity and respect, and we ensured that everyone had a job before you know we we officially said you know you got to go. Now that's helpful, or it's easier to do when you had a small team like we did. But it still was really painful to say goodbye to my close friends that we had what felt like gone to war together for a couple of years, and then I had to say hey. I can't afford for you to stay here, um, and that was gut wrenching. Uh, so that was that was the that was the hardest. And what I would say is that how you get through times like that is one have an amazing co-founder. Like my co-founder is phenomenal. Like Dan Dahl is, you know, he asked me to be, and I was incredibly honored by this. The best man at his wedding. I will absolutely ask him to be the best man of mine. Um, he's just a, he's a phenomenal human. Uh, and he, and you know, him and I are, I jokingly say this all the time that we're work married because when you know someone that damn well, uh, 
you know everything about them. I know how to, you know, order for him at every genre of restaurant. I know what, you know, peeves him off. I know what, um, you know, that, that he likes, you know, like it's, it's, it's weird, you know, like, and I think that I, I don't believe that the really tough moments as an entrepreneur are meant to be gone through alone. I think that you build a community of other entrepreneurs who understand what it's like. Um, just like, you know, like if you were, uh, a super high profile lawyer that was working all the time, like it helps to be around other lawyers who understand, or if you're, you know, a doctor and, and you're really stressed out because, you know, you're working the ER shifts and, and you just surround yourself with other ER doctors who understand and can empathize. Like, I don't think that having been a former school teacher in a really tough school, I don't think that entrepreneurs actually, you know, work harder and or, uh, you know, have this superhuman ability that other people don't have. I, I really don't. I think that entrepreneurs make a decision that they're willing to tolerate that much more risk without a proven, uh, you know, manual of how to do something. And I think surrounding yourself with other people who have also made that conscious decision and are willing to put forth, you know, the hours to get it done, that helps. So I don't think you have to go through the darkness alone. I think that's, you know, number one. I think number two is perspective. Um, one of the other things is it gets easier. Like I was, I was talking to one of my entrepreneur friends who, you know, she was in corporate America and, and she started something a year and a half ago. And she's like, how do you deal with it? And I was just like, what do you mean? She goes, you know, the really bad news. I'm like, well, the good news <laughs> is that the bad news actually stops being so bad. The bad news is that the good news stops being so good. And what I mean by that is <laughs> you, literally like you, you start like the highs aren't as high, the lows aren't as low. It all starts, you know, shifting out and, and you get this, you know, you, you build this reservoir of, uh, of, of resilience of where you just have been like, I've been through this road before. I know what a cash crunch feels like. I know what it feels to, you know, be up against a wall and, you got to call shareholders and say, Hey, so we got to maneuver around this. Like you just, you build up that muscle memory. So relatable. Uh, I, I also just want to applaud you, you know, the story about laying, you know, the part of the team off and, and the way you did it with dignity. I mean, that's, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And I'm sure with a hard moment, but it seems like you learned a lot. And I also can relate and really connect over the highs and the lows of, they don't, the highs don't really seem as high and the lows don't seem as low because you're right. This is just reservoir of experience that you live in day in and day out. And so not, it's not like things like can surprise you anymore. It's just, you have to deal. And uh, so it's more of a way of life um, in my opinion as well. And you've, signed, you've chosen to sign up for it for an extended duration. So phenomenal perspective. David, why don't you um, share a bit about just the brand itself, what you've built, maybe how you've restructured the organization, uh, the brand kind of architecture of what you've built and kind of what your vision is and what you're trying to do. First off, um, appreciate all your, your, your previous comments. Uh, the, what we're trying to do here uh, at Impact Driven Brands is one, uh, soapbox makes goodness easy to find. That's the that's the cornerstone of, of what we want to do. And what we mean by that is 
100% vegan, uh, clean beauty, uh, just amazing ingredients at an affordable price uh, sold at, you know, every retailer that you would like to find it at, knowing that, you know, Soapbox is not going to be at Sephora. We're not. Uh, but are we going to be at Target and Walmart and Walgreens and CVS and Rite Aid and Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we make hair care, we make personal care, uh, we make hand care. You know, we, we basically want uh, people when they see our amber bottles to know that it stands for something uh, that they can trust in, that they want to put on their body, uh, but then also through each and every purchase, they're helping someone who's not a part of the equation. So that really is the, the belief behind Soapbox. With Bushwick, um, Bushwick Kitchen is a, is a phenomenal brand. You know, we're so in debt to the initial founders who created it. Um, it's a foodies brand uh, in the sense that uh, we really want people to think of that condiment first. So uh, we were the, one of the first people to create a, a curry gachuchain sriracha, um, which basically like uh, gachuchain is a, a is a beautiful uh, Korean uh, paste that just is divine. Um, sriracha, your uh, listeners are probably uh, familiar with, as well as curry. Um, but you put all those things together, that really isn't seen that much. And we want to create things that that people uh, think about first and then think about pairing it with food. Um, so oftentimes, people think about condiments only after they've made a the main choice on what they want to eat. And then condiments are, are, you know, a plus one or a topping or something that can enrich that. Um, we want to make things that are truly unique and different that people first and foremost go, Ooh, you know, like I'm, I'm craving this, what can go well with this? Uh, so that's really the brand thesis behind that. Um, Fresh science, which is our uh, home care brand. Uh, we're incredibly excited about its potential. Um, you know, we went from about 50,000 to 3 million in about three weeks uh, last year. Uh, and that's because it's home care um, and we were able to get our disinfectant wipes out uh, to a wide variety of our customers, especially in a time of need. Um, and then uh, the last one, uh, which I can't actually disclose the name because it's still in stealth, um, is, a, uh, is a celebrity co-founder led uh, baby care brand that we're incredibly excited about. And it's all about sustainability. It's all about trying to reduce our carbon footprint. Um, and it's about offering, uh, you know, the cleanest ingredients to a, a mother's child while also reducing the harm uh, of, you know, what consumption brings to the environment. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, th there are three pillars that all of our, any brand within our impact driven brands have to have uh, better ingredients more sustainable for the environment. And then finally a direct give back that helps someone who's not in the, you know, buyer consumer relationship. So cool. You know, when you were kind of talking through what you're doing, I was like, yeah, there's the sustainability component and there's the ingredients component, which makes sense because all these brands under this umbrella all ladder back up to doing good. And it's, it's super cool. How you've been so intentional about, the way you've thought about architecting the, the company and um, because the, the opportunities are, I mean, not endless, but they're, you know, I think your ability to have multiple product lines uh, across the board is awesome. And uh, my next question would be is how have you seen these brands 
as you think about building a virgin type of company in a sense where there's a bunch of businesses under the main umbrella brand, you know, there's a lot of crossover in some of these brands. How do you kind of interconnect the products between one brand to the next? I mean, is that a strategy you you implement or um, I'm just curious your thoughts on how, how and if that's a, you know, function of what you do? Well, so first off, Brian, I think that's a phenomenal question. Um, the, you know, I, I remember growing up where uh, GM or General Motors started allowing everyone to know that the same people who made Pontiac were the same people who made Oldsmobile and the same people who made Chevy. And to me, that's that's a crime because like why someone wants to buy a Pontiac is very different than why someone wants to buy a GMC. And why someone wants to buy a GMC is very different than why someone wants to buy a Saturn. So, you know, I look at that and I say, that is a failure of brand management. I don't really need people to know impact-driven brands. That's not my thing. Um, I would much rather, and I think, I think that you, in my opinion, that's corporate ego. That someone out there is like, I want people to know this is a Unilever product or this is a PNG product or this is a, like, that's not a good thing. You know, people want to know that the brand that they're buying is only that brand and it has authenticity and it has, you know, and I believe that because of what we believe that each of our brands and their origin stories and how they came to be are authentic, but I, I don't, I don't want necessarily there to be too much co-branding or interplay or, but what I will say, Brian, is that it's um, the amount of learning that we're getting from all of these brands is phenomenal. And like, and I understand why, you know, these bigger conglomerates out there have so much power, not just in buying power, but because you get to, you, you get to learn so much. Like you're just, you have all of this new data coming in um, from, you know, this category works this way. And we just tried this over here. And can we try that promotional strategy over here? And, and the learnings that are happening and applying from all brands, it, they're just awesome. can so relate to that. Uh, I feel like, David, we're, we're speaking similar languages in like totally different ways in, in, throughout this convo. I, I appreciate you know, if, if you were to watch David, if you were in my shoes right now listening, you think you could tell David, you're, you come across very authentic and intentional. And to me, that that's an extension of how you're building the companies and who you are is, looks like it's going into everything you do. Uh, and I think that that's a lot to be proud of. And, um, you know, just on my end, I was thinking about how we, we work with clients or, you know, we, we're getting learnings from so many different elements across the board that you kind of get better and better over time because you understand what works at scale with more reps. And it seems like you're able to see maybe how that works uh, as you get, you know, branch into new categories. Um, you know, David, I, I really admire, I think, how you go about things. And it seems like you really uh, have a long-term focus and vision. And, and for you, you know, I'm just curious, when it's all said and done, like business aside or business with this question, what's like the life that you you know want to look back on and say that that you had led or had other people you know be able to say about you and how you led your life? Uh, well, thank you. 
I don't know necessarily if there is ever going to be a destination for me. I don't know if, if I'm ever going to feel like I've actually hit the summit. Um, just because, you know, I'm, I'm 33. I have, uh, I've got some wear and tear, uh, in this, in this body. And I also like really, really enjoy it. Um, but I, but I also think that for me, I know I'm a challenge junkie and I know that I really thrive in building organizations and trying to, uh, put people into positions that they really love. Like I, I want a team of people who, uh, believe that they found their dream job. Now, that being said, I do think that, that people enjoy struggle. I, and, and challenge and meaning, you know, like I don't, I don't want necessarily, uh, a happy life. I want a meaningful life. And I think there's, I think there's a difference in that, you know, meaning to me brings purpose and happiness, but I also, uh, I'm the type of person that will find my way into problems because I, I, I want to solve them. I will not make new problems just to solve them, but like, I'm going to try to push into uh, trying to do things bigger. And, and I believe trying to make the world a little more just, and you know, the, the, the central thesis of each of our brands is consumption is not going away. Like consumerism is here to stay. How do you make that less harmful to the planet and more just to humanity? Well said. Well said, David. Uh, I can appreciate uh, the way in which you do things, operate how you live, and you must have had good parents uh, along the way. And just appreciate our conversation today. Uh, where where can people buy the products that you know you're responsible for bringing birthing into the world, and uh, where can they find you if they had a question? Well, well, Brian, right back at you. Uh, somehow my parents put up with me. I don't know how. Uh, no, seriously. Like I, I drove them absolutely insane. I was the kid who was just like, okay, now karate practice and now soccer and now this. And like my, my mom took me out of school on my 16th birthday to get a driver's license. That's how like, that's how done they were when they were like, you can drive like, here you go. And like, like the most beat up car you could, it was a handy down of a handy down. Like the fact that it even ran was amazing, but Rightfully so, because that was crazy. So, um, so you know, I, you can find our products. We're sold, thankfully, in a lot of places. So, uh, Walmart, uh, Target, um, uh, Wegmans. I love Wegmans. I cannot say this enough. I love the partnership that we have with Wegmans in so many, so many ways. Uh, same thing with Sally Beauty, um, Amazon, Grove, Giant, Safeway. Um, uh, to your local grocery store, basically, um, or Amazon, if it's still COVID and you, and you want to stay more safe. Well, thank you, David, for sharing. And uh, I love Wegmans as well. Their coffee bar is phenomenal. And if you get free discounts, um, I'm very jealous of you, but you don't need to share. And uh, I really appreciate uh, all your you know, knowledge today and authenticity that you brought and excited to share this. Thanks, Brian. Uh, feelings mutual. And it was a, it was a humbling honor to be here.
If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.